0: you're gonna do anyway i'll run dry you gonna run away and hide i'm gonna run right by your side well you pretty baby are even now i'm walking yes indeed, i'm talking but you and me i'm hoping that you come back to me
1: he was a rock and roll pioneer he's been referred to as the most significant contributor to the new orleans musical canon Second only to Louis Armstrong, Elvis Presley called him the real king of rock and roll. Fats Domino passed away yesterday, surrounded by family at the age of 89. So somewhat predictably, we're now joined by Alan Cross, the host of the ongoing history of new music on 102.1 The Edge. Alan, the frequency of visits a bit worrying, but, you know, Fats Domino.
0: You know, what's going to we are of that time when a lot of these rock and roll pioneers are of actuarial age I mean like you said Fats Domino was 89 none of these people are getting any younger so we will be talking about this with increasing frequency there's just no way around
1: it yeah he was one of the pillars of rock and roll and you just wouldn't have the artist today without Fats this was my first introduction to Fats Domino and I bet you I'm not alone found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. Hi, everybody. Yeah, that's Richie Cunningham. He used to sing uh, Blueberry Hill and Happy Days almost <laughs> weekly, and that song is now in the Library of Congress.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fast Domino started releasing records in 1949. He was important because he brought this New Orleans, Dixie, Boogie Woogie jazz Element to what was the early days of of rock and roll, and you can hear it a lot in the right in his left hand when he played the piano, very Barrow House, very New Orleans, and everybody from Paul McCartney to Bob Marley uh, was influenced by by this guy because he was so new and so different and and so uh, innovative back in the in, in the nineteen in the nineteen fifties, and he started having hits in the early fifties, and that went all the way through into the
1: 1960s. Yeah. Would you agree with Elvis Presley or do you think Elvis was being kind when he said, I'm not the king of rock and roll, that is Fats Domino?
0: Well, if Elvis said it, then it must be true, right? It's uh, it's He was certainly one of them. And I would say there's, there's a handful of people that all have to have some kind of stake in that. You know, Elvis would be one, Fats Domino would be another. I would put Jerry Lee Lewis in there. I would probably put, put Little Richard in there um, and, and, a, and a few others from the 19, you know, Chuck Berry, of course. Uh, from, from the 1950s, but Fats was, he was one of the he was first, like I said, he started releasing records in 1949, even before rock and roll was a thing, even before we started calling this, this R&B music, this special type of R&B music, rock and roll.
1: Yeah, he was one of the first 10 honorees named in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, and rightly so. Um, he was, again, a pioneer, a progenitor, whatever you want to call him.
1: I know that uh, people were very worried about Fats because his fate was largely unknown after, you know, he lived in the, I think, the Ninth Ward. Is that where he lived in in, uh, in yeah. New, New Orleans? And so that hurricane struck. And apparently, you know, some of his fa- his kids didn't even know where he was. He was rescued by boat and lost a ton of uh, memorabilia, platinum and gold albums. He lost three pianos.
0: Yeah, this was Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. he uh, His house was flooded out he was completely cut off from everybody. He nobody knew where he was for for several days and it wasn't until some guys going by in a boat managed to rescue him out of his second story window that uh people knew that he was safe. He uh he never went back to that house. He uh, has been living here he had been living with his daughter uh nearby ever since. But yeah, he lost everything. All those gold records, all those pianos, everything. Uh one of those pianos is was salvaged, sort of, and is on display in a museum in uh, in Louisiana, uh, showing exactly what kind of damage there Katrina did to it.
1: I think one of the interesting stories about Fats Domino is, uh, you know, he seemed like, a, you know, we listened to the... The music and, you know, just how hard he hammers on, on that keyboard and how big his voice is. He seems like such a, a large person. He was large. He weighed more than 200 pounds, but he only stood 5'5".
0: Yeah, he wasn't that big. He was quite round. Yeah. <laughs> he got the name Fats yeah. early on in his career. And I that really added to his appeal because his music was very positive, very uplifting. It was almost always in in, in a major key. And if you saw him play, he had that cherubic grin on his face almost all the time. So he was, he was welcoming, non-threatening, uh, and, and fun, or at least that was the opinion that a lot of people had of him. And that was a big part of his appeal because he was so approachable.
1: He was also very uh, authentic. You know, he stayed in, I think he grew up in the Lower Ninth Ward. And so when he bought a big house, it was in the Lower Ninth Ward, just blocks from where he he grew up.
0: Yeah, he was a New Orleans son. There was no way he was ever going to move out of that city. No way. And it shows with Katrina, he stayed in that house, despite the fact that he was told to evacuate along with everybody else. And even after his house was destroyed, He still would not leave the New Orleans area.
1: I was shocked to find out that he gave up, um, you know, recording music in the 1960s because he stood up to the record producers and said, no, I don't want to change my sound. You know, when Psychedelica was coming in and things like that, he said, you know, this is what I do and I'm just going to stick with that and I'm going to stop recording, kind of bowed out on his own. You know, uh, gutsy move. I mean, he could have continued producing music in the same genre, couldn't he have?
0: I suppose so, but in the long run, it really didn't hurt him, did it? He was able to hang in there until the nostalgia craze of the early 1970s came along. And like you said, Richie Cuddyham singing it on Happy Days, uh, you know, um, back to the movie American Graffiti and the whole Shana um uh, <laughs> phenomenon that we saw then. And then he went on the oldie circuits uh-huh. as the, the, the older end of the baby boomers started reliving their youth. With music from the nineteen fifties so although he his his output after nineteen sixty four ish uh dried up, he had enough material in his back catalog that he was able to perform you know concerts caravan tours casinos residences anything. And and lived a, a very comfortable life, and he did not want to give up the rights to any of his music. That was the other. Well, that's interesting. Because a lot of these these guys from the fifties were completely screwed over when it came to signing away their rights, and I, I'm pretty sure that Fats managed to keep most of his, um, and and that prevented him from being this impoverished guy, who uh, w- which which was the fate of a lot of people from that era. Uh, they were forced to sign over their songwriting. Uh, credits or their musical rights or their publishing or whatever to to record label people and and I don't think that actually happened to Fats.
1: Yeah, he I I understand that he was booked to perform the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival in 2006 and they they you know wondered if he'd ever return to the stage and apparently he just uh, simply tipped his hand to thousands of cheering fans. Yeah, and that was well, all he did.
0: Yeah, he he was not. Uh... Again, you know, some people know how no one to leave the stage, and I guess he did, and uh, he was happy to have done it. And we don't know what his health was like back then. Uh, he would have been, let's see, so that's uh, he would have been well into his seventies. He would have been late seventies at that time, and maybe he just wasn't up to it. I mean, there were some people who just can't do what they used to do, and rather than embarrass themselves or rather than turn in what they would feel to be a substandard performance they simply declined to appear. And and I totally understand that. We should completely respect it,
1: too. Yeah, I I know that Fats Domino, you know, inspired people from Elvis Presley to the Beatles to Little Richard to Bruce Springsteen. Is there a band that you can think of that wouldn't be, you know, um, if there was no Fats Domino? If we look at, at, you know, modern-day music, you know, with the ongoing history of new music in mind, you know, a band that, uh, you know, might have jumped off of the... uh, the work that Springsteen did and had it not been for, you know, uh, Fats Domino, inspiring Springsteen or, you know, one, or Elvis Presley th- that just wouldn't be, is there anybody obvious?
0: Not really, because there was this, this pool of music that all came out in about a 10 year period that all mixed together to create what we call rock and roll. So to tease it into all these separate strands, I mean, you could, Elvis, yes. Chuck Berry, yes. Little Richard, yes but everybody else no that's 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 all part of that stew that came along that inspired everybody sort of collectively with the exception of those those few i i you know who would uh, let's see some piano players of the 19 you know you could look if you want to look modern mm-hmm. uh, you know guys like ben folds right uh, for example i Billy can see Joel, that yep you know anybody who had this idea of of sitting down at a piano and offering some, some heavy rhythms with the left hand. um, Yeah. That, that, that goes back to facts.